0: And we're back. So let's talk about God. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for you to like fill in the space that you usually do, but you didn't. I, I,
1: sometimes I do, and then sometimes I I just shake it up a little bit, you know, make it a little spicy. You mix it up. A little spicy. Spooky and spicy. Spooky and spicy.
0: So, how you doing? <sighs> doing good. Just vibing, living life.
1: Just, uh, you're waiting on a baby. Waiting on a baby. It's November, crazy. November fourth. Is that the date? That's the date. November fourth. Mm-hmm. Going to be the first little Evan Junior. Jaron keeps telling me I'm going to name him Christopher Jaron. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Well, we did that to you because you're Christopher Evan, and then that's caused all kinds of problems with the United States Postal Service. They can't get their act together. Oh. I'm tired of getting your mail. Yeah, you know, I'm tired of you getting my mail too. It's just unbelievable.
0: It's yeah. so funny when I get called Chris, though. Like, if I go anywhere like official and I had to write my full name down, they always come in. and But they don't call me Christopher. They just would assume I want to be called Chris.
1: Yeah. What if I was an actual full Christopher? The, there are people I've known. I knew a man whose name was Christopher. They, he did not go by Chris. He well, went would, by Christopher. I'd be
0: kind of upset. Oh, uh,
1: well, rightly so.
0: If somebody just came in and called me Ev. Yeah. You don't know me. That's right. Only your dad does that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this is a meaningless rant. This I, is like a Seinfeld level rant. I'm you,
1: not actually upset. This, I, I understand. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Ran away. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't even know. Are, are I don't you even prepping know to be about. a dad? Is like, are you mentally preparing yourself?
0: I mean, as much as you can. I've never done it before so there's only so much I can like get ready for. All the listeners,
1: all of our listeners who are her parents send us send Evan some information. Give him some I advice. Don't, I don't
0: like the general negative vibe I get. What I mean? like it when people tell me like happy things. Like when they're like this is going to be great. You're going to love it.
1: This is one of the best be days great. of my life. It's gonna be one of the best but days I don't, of your life. I don't like the jokey
0: like slap me on the arm and they're like, better enjoy your time now, loser. <laughs> You're like sucks now. <laughs> you know, like i <laughs> don't tell me that. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> tell me how good it's gonna be. You know what your old dad's gonna say to you? <laughs> you better enjoy your time Stop. now. Uh you will you will reach the point and it will happen fast. Well, you were in you and Elizabeth will say what did we do before we had kids? No. Every every parent does that. What did we do before we had kids? You'll go out on date night, and you'll talk about the kids.
0: I figured enough people are doing it at this point. It can't be that bad. If it was it's that not. bad, we'd just
1: stop. It's not. It's not. It's wonderful. Children are wonderful. Kids are wonderful. And they do change your life, but they're wonderful. You, you have to be less selfish and more, you know, you have to take care of them. And it'll be a lot of... Wait on Elizabeth and you have to help her and then by the time they get two, one and a half, two, then they they're a little big enough where they can hang out with dad and do stuff and then I've you can really
0: try to observe and learn from my elder brother. Yeah. Who has three boys. If he hasn't figured Whew. it out <laughs> You just missed it. My elder oh, brother. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, right over his head let's uh,
1: go i was that's what i like i was so into that's just talking about I you like. being a dad that you just you just came right out of that you pulled Rah. right out of that dive and went straight up into the i mean pond. that was smooth oh uh, if you were more mature you wouldn't have done that but i just because mature. Elders
0: yeah, um, nah. <laughs> where is it? Hit it. I don't even know which one it is at this point. <laughs> it's not it. Oh, you have to stop it. Yeah. Not that one. I like that. I mean, yeah. That's creepy. Try the green one now. That's got to be it.
1: A- there we go. Now we know which one it is. All right. I'll make use of that. The the, the second one over, we're playing with a toy here. I'm shocked, I'm shocked we don't use that more often. Honestly. It's just <laughs> our listeners right now are going, and I'm spending my time listening to this.
0: I'm just in here. I was trying to think if I can make an a Episcopas joke. But I'm out. No, no. This don't go Greek. (laughs) Don't go Greek, please. (laughs) Or a bishop. No. (laughs) Or a presbyter or a (laughs) priest. I don't have it.
1: I I knew a guy whose last name was Bishop, and he was a bishop, so he was Bishop Bishop. Oh, my gosh. I kid you not. That's funny. He was Bishop Bishop. Bishop Bishop. That's (laughs) That's a true story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We're losing it. (laughs) Bishop Bishop. Bishop Bishop. Well, I guess let's talk about elders, so after all that. Yeah, so we had a really good time last month talking about deacons. And this one, and I bet a lot of people were able to identify with that because they at least know what a deacon is or they know they've heard about it in a church or they have deacons in their church. This one is probably the one that would be least known if you start talking about pastors and evangelists and teachers and deacons and you say elder, I I think I would— venture to say that a lot of our listeners would say, okay, this one, I'm. you guys are going to have to help me here.
0: Especially because the word, because there are multiple words for it, and they have different meanings. And are we talking about an elder like at our church? Or are you talking about a pastor? What are you talking about here? There's a, there's a lot of layers there for what you mean by an elder. Yeah,
1: so, so we got to peel that onion back today.
0: Certainly do. So I apparently, in making these notes, wrote out the word, or the phrase, 30-second definition, and then I never came up with one. And I just thought I did, <laughs> and then I printed so, the notes out.
1: <laughs> so you're going to give me one? So No, I never
0: made one. You tell me yours. <laughs> All
1: right, so an elder is uh, an individual in a local church who provides care for the people and guards them from enemies, serves as an example of spiritual maturity, and assists the pastor in the oversight of the flock of God.
0: That's good. Is that good? That's really good. Okay. And I would just add also when sometimes when the New Testament translates elder, it
1: means a presbyter or a pastor. Exactly, and that's when we're going to peel back the onion. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 doing that from the point of an elder from my perspective and my context yes. today, but you're exactly right. It, you can say or it is actually the person who actually oversees the flock of God. That's right.
0: So let's uh, let's kind of return to maybe our usual uh, format. Let's talk about elders in the Old Testament, and then we'll talk about eldership in the New Testament. So believe it or not, there was a, a uh, concept of elder in the Old Testament within Israel, in the nation of Israel. So elders in that period, uh, in that function, would serve on local councils. They would meet at the gate of their city, which is kind of the place where the leaders would gather to settle disputes discuss property settlements, try judicial cases. Um, really the point is there's already a concept of elder, of someone who is old, of someone who is a leader, someone who's a representative, and they kind of oversee, um, the nation, oversee settlements, oversee issues, and kind of solve problems. Um, elders were probably the heads of certain families and clans. And then this is interesting. Moses actually delegated authority to them to judge certain minor cases. And, um, You know, there's a lot of leadership teaching on this. Maybe you've even taught something like this where Moses is leading the nation of Israel out. They've got this brand new nation and he's just killing himself trying to run the whole thing. So like a good father-in-law does, he eventually shows up to go see his daughter. And then he's like, hey, Moses, like take it or leave it. Here's some good advice. You probably need to start dispersing some of these responsibilities. And Moses wisely listens. And so he gathers the elders and he starts giving them. Certain responsibilities to handle because he realizes he can't do this all on his
1: own. He needs some help, and I think it's pretty clear that from everything you just said, uh, people didn't live. People people lived a long time, but, but at certain points, especially when you got the Israel, people didn't live as long. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as and so, if you were old, you you were considered wise. If you were old, you were considered a source of wisdom. There was no internet to Google. There was there was uh, no book to go get and say, here's how to do something. Mm-hmm. None of that was available. You had to go to somebody older and wiser who knew more than you. And, and I think we've lost some of that today because information is so readily available. And I think sometimes older people feel they're... They may be not useless, but not as useful sometimes because it used to be that you you would go to the, the older people and say, why is this? Well, you know, now you just Google it, you know, mm-hmm. of course, still not the same as somebody telling you from experience and telling you something in a context. And so back then, an elder was really, really important person because yeah. that person was an invaluable source of wisdom and information. That's good.
0: Elders were present uh, in the council of early Israelite kings. So, think like Saul, David, and Solomon. So, their uh, importance was elevated to the fact that they were even in the presence of kings. And again, that's that council. Mm-hmm. You know, David had guys around him that were older. And here, here's a lesson for listening to older people. So, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, uh, met with the elders and asked for their advice on how he should rule. And then he went and asked his young friends how he should rule, and instead of listening to the wisdom of the elders saying, hey, take the burden that Solomon had put on the people, lift that burden, lift it off of them, make things a little bit easier, don't work them and tax them so heavy, instead he listens to his friends, and in doing so he actually split the kingdom of Israel into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. That's a
1: perfect example right there where he he should have listened to those older and wiser Mm -hmm. and he he could have kept the nation together and and his reign would have been awesome. He could have continued in the glory of his father Solomon. Like you said, instead, he divided the kingdom and never Mm -hmm. came back together. That's right.
0: So let's talk about elders in the synagogue. So elders played a, a unique place in the place of worship and uh, Jewish life. So elders were an inter- integral part of the synagogue hierarchy and could have been a benefactor of the synagogue and maybe even one of its founders. Um, and the duty of an elder was entrusted only to mature men and then the duties of the board of elders so there was actually a group of men were similar to those of modern of a modern congregational board and they kind of included general supervision over religious and secular matters so think things like congregational properties charities schools care of the sick burials gathering contributions for the temple at Jerusalem and later for the patriarch and I guess we say all this to say that we're kind of building the background that when the apostles establish elders in the churches, they aren't doing so without a point of reference, but they're thinking through what has happened in our nation's history. They're thinking through how the elders function in the synagogue. Now let's put that to good use in a, now a Christian context in the churches that we are establishing. So right. there's precedent.
1: For right. It. There's precedent. And then, and then, the, the the development of the polity or the government of the church it was just natural for them to carry over mm-hmm. the the work of the or the position of the elder or the ministry of the elder that's right into the new testament church paradigm
0: that's good so now that we've kind of got that really kind of basic history we can begin to see how the new testament establishes elders and so this is going to be kind of the majority of our time breaking down what does an elder do and uh, and what's happening. So in Acts 14.23, Paul and Barnabas actually start appointing elders in the churches that they have established, and they commend them to the Lord with prayer and fasting. So that's what we get in Acts 14.23. They're establishing elders in every single church that they've established, and they're commending them to the Lord, setting them apart, and they're doing so with prayer and fasting. So whatever the elders are doing here, this is spiritual, this is important, This is something that they need to be set apart with prayer and fasting. Then in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul tells the elders in Ephesus that the Holy Spirit has appointed them to be overseers and shepherds for the church. So before we've even gotten into the pastoral epistles, the pastoral letters, before we've even gotten into where Paul tells Titus and Timothy, this is what an elder needs to look like, just in the book of Acts, what do we know? Paul wants elders in every church. He sets them apart with prayer and fastening, and he tells them
1: they need to be overseers and shepherds for the church. So so let's go ahead and say it. So... In those instances, what we're seeing in the book of Acts is they're establishing these planting, they're planting these mm-hmm. brand new churches. A church has to have a pastor. Yeah. So the elders, you might as well go ahead and say it, the elders are the pastors. That's right. The elders are the pastors of the church. and And, and so I want to stop right here and say that Three words are used in the Bible, and I'm not going to get into the Greek, but there are three words that are used in the Bible to describe this role, elder, overseer, or bishop, and shepherd, Mm -hmm. okay? An elder is a spiritually mature, mature person as well as a physically older person, and then an overseer is one who has oversight over the people of God, okay? So it's their job to oversee the whole congregation, and then a shepherd is one who guards the flock and feeds the flock, and... Paul, interestingly enough, uses the words elder and bishop and overseer interchangeably. That's right. So all three words refer to the same office and of ministry. Mm-hmm. And we add the word pastor because that's that ultimately, the pastor is a shepherd-like role. Mm-hmm. So that, that word comes from that, they, they connect. So that's why we're able to slide that in there, plus what we see in the scriptures is, practically what it's saying is they're doing the work of a pastor they're overseeing a local church they're feeding that church they're protecting that church and and it's their responsibility they should be an older mature person you know who's obviously capable to lead that church and manage that church and so th- that that's ultimately where you get this concept that the elder or the bishop or the shepherd is the pastor.
0: That's good. I think let's break down before we get it, because I know we're going to spend a lot of time in these qualifications. So just while we're hanging out here, it's the Holy Spirit who's appointing these men. So I think that's really, really important. If you're an elder in in you know whatever capacity you want to find that, this is something that is Holy Spirit led. The Holy Spirit is calling you to this. The Spirit of God has appointed certain men to do this. So it requires a calling, which means you've been gifted by God to do it because he's called you to it. And then you're going to be an overseer and a shepherd. And I I think you should just break that down. An overseer is someone who oversees, they look over, they manage, they take care of. And then I think one of the, the greatest images we have is of a shepherd. A shepherd is someone who loves the sheep, who serves the sheep, who feeds the sheep, who guides them, who protects them from wolves and from danger. And in fact, we are all, they they use this phrase a lot when I was at AU. They say, if you're a pastor, you're called to be an under shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He is the the true main shepherd that Mm -hmm. leads the entire flock. And we are called to shepherd under him, under his authority. And so we are called to lay our lives down for the sheep, to serve the sheep, to feed them, protect them, all those different things. It gives you good imagery for what the pastor is supposed to do. We look to Christ and we model our ministry and lives after him.
1: And so let me do in this episode what I did in the last episode with the deacon, there is the office of a pastor, and mm-hmm. I mentioned that I believe in the last episode. You got the fivefold ministry of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor. So it's a office of ministry. Okay, it's a it's a it's a calling of God, an office. And so, like you and I are in the positions of pastors in the office of pastor. But there is also, I think, the ministry of an elder mm-hmm. that. And that's what we do at our church, where we have men who are her laity, who are, um, they work, some of them are retired, some of them still work full-time jobs, but we have appointed them as elders of high praises, and they are older men, they are spiritually mature men, uh, they're mature men in experience and wisdom, et cetera. Uh, they love our church, they love to oversee our church, and they they love to just, take care of the church. They have a protective kind of spirit over the church and that they, they want to take care of this place. They love it. They don't want anything to hurt it, anybody to come in and disrupt it. Um, uh, and they want to minister mm-hmm. to people, but but not like you and I do, not full time, but they have that ministry of a shepherd. They want to feed the flock. They want Many of the elders uh, are life group leaders. They yeah. teach groups and they minister to the groups. So it's the same thing where you have people who have a deacon' spirit and they serve but they're not deacons okay same thing in the church you have pa- pastors who are let me say this too um well I'm just rambling uh, Go for it. I fully believe that every church in America has elders they may not be recognized they may not have a title and they may not be appointed but I believe every church, Has an elder at least one? If if it's a small church, it has. And I'm not talking about the pastor. So by by default, a pastor would be considered an elder. Okay. Now, if that pastor is 23, 24, 25 years old, then that's it's pushing a little bit for him, Mm -hmm. you know, because he would hopefully he's smart enough to admit I don't have a whole lot of wisdom and experience here. But by by default, he's supposed to be an elder. But I guarantee you, and I've seen it. The reason I said this is I've seen it. I've been in I've been in literally hundreds of churches in my life. You can find one or two or three men that are spiritually mature, they're older, they're filled with wisdom, they love their church, they they care about that congregation, they have this spirit, they don't want to be a quote unquote pastor, mm-hmm. they they have a job or whatever. They don't they don't want to do that. But they they shepherd their church. They oversee their church. They're the person that everybody looks to. They're the guy that when he speaks, everybody listens to him mm-hmm. because they know he's going to say something wise and he always takes care of the congregation. Every church has them. I think it's a pastor's job to find those guys, identify them, and appoint them and bring them alongside. If you're smart, you will bring that guy alongside you and say, help me oversee this church. I know I'm in charge. You know, I'm in charge. That's not what we're talking about. I need somebody to help me mm-hmm. shepherd this flock and help me so we can grow this church and minister to these people and disciple them. That's really, really good.
0: I think it's even kind of going back to Moses, like it's, it's an exercise in humility. That I think even for like those of us who are pastors is to say, Hey, we we can't necessarily do this all ourselves. Um, sometimes we need to go receive prayer or receive encouragement, or sometimes we just need to lean on those elders to go Go minister. You know, I think one of the most powerful things that our elders at the church do is they go minister in the hospitals, just like we do. They go visit the sick. They go anoint them with oil. They go pray for them. They they tend to them. They care for them. They shepherd them. And it's one of those things where they kind of help us to make sure everyone is ministered to and shepherded and cared for, which is so valuable.
1: Yeah, and that's not something that only the pastor can do. I mean, it's something that, that someone with that elder calling mm-hmm. again it may be a, a lay person but that elder calling will want to do because they love their church and, and i do i have guys that and a lot of our guys are get, starting to get old or they can't you know go like they used to go but i, I had two men they went to the hospital i had one elder that there was a death and the family wanted him to speak mm. so he and i spoke and i i uh, as harold bates and i kidded him later i said i'm gonna start calling you reverend bates i said you, <laughs> you gave as good a, 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 a eulogy as i've heard and i was sincere and i still mean this as any pastor i've ever heard preach a funeral he did as good a job as anybody and wow. so my joke was i'm gonna start calling you reverend bates i said because you you were uh you were as good as any preacher i've heard <laughs> and Th- those guys love that. You know, I don't know if he's ever done it again, but he did it that one time. He was able to do it because he's an elder. And I know we're jumping around here, but elders, I think, are important. We have elders at our church. I think they're important for a number of reasons. One of them is, and this was one of the reasons why when I planted high praises, I want to start elders. James said, if there are any sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church and anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And Lord, will heal the sick and raise them up. Yeah. Well, when I was growing up, we didn't have any elders. You know, my, my dad ended up, you know, praying for everybody. But I thought, and when I was at Praise Cathedral, Pastor Johnson, he didn't have a vision of elders, which is fine. It's not bad or good. It's just most churches don't. And uh, I just remember thinking, I mean, we'll do it. We pastors, we're technically the elders, yeah. I guess. But what if we had men that were called of God, that were laity, that they could come up? And so uh, our elders, through the years at times have been up front and prayed for people. And I've had people come and say, "Can can?" I had a lady call me this week. Here's the irony of us doing this. I had a lady call me this week. She's brand new, and she's gone through growth track. She knows we have elders, and she said, I'm having some pretty serious health problems. How does it work here? Can I get the elders of the church to pray for me? I said, wow. absolutely. I said, Sunday after church, you come right up to the altar, and I said, we will anoint you with oil and pray for you. But but if you don't have that in place, then people are missing out on the on the possibility of getting a healing or a miracle. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. I
0: really like that. I think another good function of the elders is um, you know, what what shepherds do is they protect the sheep and they protect them specifically from wolves. And I think elders play a really good part in their spiritual wisdom. They are able to and in, in the respect that they gain by Uh, by their age, really, and their experience, they're able to protect the sheep from Satan coming in to cause division or destruction. They've had years of experience. They have wisdom. They know the scriptures. And they're able to uh, protect the flock from buying into something or having division or something like that that would rip the sheep apart. They're
1: protective in nature in a way. Even though Praise Cathedral didn't have quote-unquote, official elders. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there are elders in the church. And I remember one particular occasion, somebody started coming there, and they were being a little divisive. They they were, they were running their mouth and just being stupid. And one of our men, who would probably fall into the category if you were going to identify an elder, this man loved that church. He was full-blown, 100%. He walked up to him and said, you're going to cut that out. Wow. You either leave this church or you stop it. But you're not going to come up here and tear up this place. We love this place. This is our church. This is our 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 congregation. We got a good thing going here. God's moving. You're not going to come in here and mess it up.
0: That's and I, I think the
1: person left, which is what they should have done if they weren't going to change. But see, that's an elder. That's a shepherd going after the wolf. You know, there are two kinds of people you have to watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing and black sheep. There are two of them: the wolves and sheep's clothing. They come in and they're going to tear your church up, but they try to get in and be one of you. Black sheep, they come in and they're not going to tear up the church like a wolf. They just bring toxicity. Mm. They're the ones that are always keeping something stirred up. You know, wolf is going to tear the church up. They're just going to try to destroy it. But black sheep just keep poison and toxicity, and you have to you have to be on guard for both of them. And when you have elders, I'll tell you a couple. You know, just stories things here yeah um there have been times um when uh, okay so we've had some people here's a here's one of the reasons you have elders sometimes you have to exercise church discipline it's not something you're going to do a lot but sometimes you have to do it people just get stupid mm-hmm. okay they start acting it out and doing things and being carnal and being sinful and creating division and whatever all right per matthew what is it 16 18 18 if um if 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 there's something wrong, then what I've done as a pastor, I'll go to that person. I'll call them in my office. I'll say, look, let's talk about this. What's going on? And I'll I'll try to deal with it. If that doesn't fix it, I'll call them back in. If it happens again, I've called them in. I'll bring in a a, a couple pastors or at least one other pastor. So now there's two witnesses. Sometimes I brought in two and I said, look, we need, we've already talked about this once. Now you're going to stop this. This needs to cease. You're going to, you're going to change. And, you hope that sometimes my initial meeting with them takes care of it. Sometimes if I bring them in before a pastor, it takes care. Now, takes care of it means they either change or they leave. But I have had situations where people have got I'm talking about they're unruly. They're causing great division. I've called them. I've gone to the elders and said, look, I've met with them. The pastors, we've met with them as a team. Here's the situation. I've had the elders say, call them in. Mm -hmm. Call them in before us. And I've called those people and said, All right, I've talked with you. I've done it the biblical way that we, two pastors, three, but we've tried to, I've talked to the elders. The elders of the church said, If you're going to keep going here, you have to come in. They're going to, you have to. And I have yet had a person who will go in before the elders. They always leave. Mm. That's so sad, but they're trouble. They don't want to change, they don't want to be humble and repentant. And they'll go to the next church and they'll act up over that next church and be the same way. But the good thing about the elders is it keeps, it protects the church where the elders have said, call them in because we're not going to talk. We're either going to, they're going to, we're like, because see, what happens? You say, what happens if they come in to the elders and they don't straighten up? Well, what Jesus said is you, you excommunicate them. Yeah. You say, If you bind on earth, we'll be bound in heaven. Yeah, and so when they don't straighten up, then the elders will say, all right, don't come back to our church. Mm-hmm. We love you, but you're not coming back to this church. All you're doing is trying to tear it up. Mm-hmm. You're not part of this congregation. You're a cancer. Leave and don't come back. That's good. Unless you repent. And uh, I'll tell you another thing the elders have done. Every once in a long while, people will get personal against me and attack me. And once it becomes personal, then it's, it's me versus you and, and uh which is okay. But then it puts me in a fighting position and it's a me. So what I've, what I learned through the years and what happens now is if, if I can't get it resolved, I just go to the elders and I say, look, I've got a situation. I, I've got to have your support because now they've made it personal. And I need you men to step in as representatives of this church. And I have had the elders surround me and, and address that person and say, you're not going to deal with just the pastor anymore. You're going to deal with us. Mm -hmm. So you come in and talk to us. Well, most people, a lot of people don't mind getting behind a keyboard and attacking a pastor, but boy, now they got to go in a room with eight, nine guys, give an account, answer to yourself. Uh, They won't do it. And, uh, and and we had a situation one time where a man and his wife wrote a 18 page letter against, (laughs) against me, (laughs) just lamb blasting me over things that none of it was valid, none of it. Sent copies to all of my deacons, all of my elders, some of the members of my church and that that I did know and then people I, I didn't know. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I, I, at that point, I'm like, I can't, you know, this is so personal. I mean, this is, I, I called a joint session. I've hardly ever had to do this in 22 years. I, I called a joint session of the elders and deacons because they all had got the letters. And uh, they were they were livid. Mm. Every one of them were livid. Not at me, at this couple, because yeah. they knew none of it was true. And uh, I said, this has got to be dealt with. I said, so, you know, we've got the... El-. And yeah. one of the elders said, can I handle it? Will you authorize me to handle it? And I said, absolutely. And all the elders said, yeah, we agree. You, you speak for us. And I said, there's a couple of things I want you to say, and otherwise you have the liberty to address this as an elder of our church. And that he called that man, and never gave him a chance to talk, <laughs> and told him basically, "You have you have caused division in our church. Um, you are not welcome back." He excommunicated him. He said, "Don't come back. You and your wife don't come back to our church. You're forbidden to come on our property. We do not want you here. We, we're excommunicating you. We have yeah. no. We want no fellowship with you whatsoever. You have a heart and a spirit that's not of God. Any person would do this and attack a shepherd like this. Our shepherd." Your, your spirit's not of God, and we don't want mm-hmm. you here. You're divisive in your trouble, and don't come back. And the only way you could come back is you have to write a letter to all these people apologizing, and then you have to apologize to the pastor and the elders. And they left. They wouldn't do it. And it was just – but that's the case where, again, they had serious problems, but that's the case where the elders came in and said, we're going to protect our pastor, and we're going to protect our church. That's good. And what happens is if their pastor has no elders, and it's just him, that pastor ends up getting in a fight – with one person or a group of people coming against him and man, he can feel like he's just being beat down and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's tough. So I am a firm believer in the elders. Uh, we had a, a few years ago. Um, there was a guy in Florida who was doing this revival. I don't remember his name. Todd something had the tattoos (sighs) all over his name. Todd, Todd
0: Bentley, Bentley. Okay.
1: So Todd Bentley was doing his thing in Florida. You remember? And he was all the hype and man, people were talking about Todd Bentley and he's, and man he had some out there stuff you know angels talking to him and just some stuff that was just kind of and uh, we had some of our people that were listening to him and they were all excited and and i had some folks call me and say pastor we we're, we're thinking about buying plane tickets we're going to go down there to see Todd Bentley and be in his meetings we just want to know what you think and i said what i think is you need to you need to hold off just hold off I said, this guy's too new. You need to just, will you wait? And and so when that happened, I, I at our next elders meeting, I brought this up to the elders. And I said, look, we got a situation because now this guy is affecting, we got people that want to get in the car and drive and get on planes and fly down there. And uh, and so in agreement, we all agreed that we would advise our church people to wait like mm-hmm. I did, just wait and let's see how this thing plays out before you go down there, and let's wait and see. Well, as if you don't know, the guy he imploded. He ended up cheating on his wife or something, marrying the woman who played the organ, a piano, the classic, whatever. Yeah. Or Secretary won,
0: and then if you go watch his videos, he tells some weird. He <laughs> cannot tell this. He tells this story about how the Holy Spirit told him to kick this grandma. In the chest with his boot. Yes. And then he said, as soon as... As soon as I did, she fell out under the power of God. Yeah. I, and I was like, no, you just kicked, kicked a grandma. grandma. That's what
1: I'm saying. The Holy Spirit's not gonna take you. He did some
0: weird like you get now that all the dust is settled, you go watch the stuff and you go, No. Uh-uh. This is wild. This is showy. This is weird. Oh, it is. Yeah.
1: And so my point is yeah. is 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 that I you know, I could have done that myself, but by going to the elders of our church, and then then I'm able to come back and say the elders and I mm-hmm. feel like, and I don't. I think I even may have got up, said something from the pulpit that the elders and I have a, agreed that our advice to you is not to go, not to follow this guide. Let's let's wait and see because we really feel like there's some things here tremendously concerning, and then everything broke loose and yeah. all. So the point is, there are so many wonderful benefits to having elders in your church; those older, wiser people that can that can be a voice for you as well as eyes and ears and, and help you uh, because the bigger your church gets, the more you depend on elders. And I know the average church size in America is 50, 75 or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still a lot of people for one person, one pastor to oversee. If he has an elder or two that will help him, then they're going to do exactly that. They're going to assist him, and and ultimately, I think the church will grow because as they help him do some of that pastoral duty, and he continues to focus on new people and preaching and having great services in the Lord, you know, and flowing in the Holy Spirit, then the church will grow. Mm-hmm. So it it they're they're a blessing to you, never never a bane, you know. And then let me bring up
0: something that praise God we've never had to deal with here is elders are very good because they also hold the pastor accountable for moral failure, which <laughs> praise God we've never had, yeah. had had to deal with you that. But like you and I both know I sent you a podcast the other week, like kind of on a national scale, that there have been elders who have had to um hold their pastor in check and even essentially write letters and confront their pastors and say, you need to step down because X, Y, Z. And the unfortunate reality is that there are thousands of good, faithful, loving shepherds and pastors. But then every now and then you get abusive, sinful, evil men who yeah. step into the place of pastor. And if you don't have that that um, those elders in place, it can continue on for far longer than it should, and even destroy entire churches where elders are um, committed to their congregation, committed to God, committed to supporting their pastor insofar as he's healthy, but then can call him out and bring him into that. And you know, we've seen that, and well, we've seen
1: it in our backyard without our Naming a church, we've seen that, and if anybody knows Anderson, you know who I'm talking about, but I don't have to say it. But that that happened, and I've, and I've, it's hard, and I get some inside information how when all that went down with that that particular individual that if i re, if i was told right then i'm pretty confident the person who told me firsthand that um it was basically the elders you know whatever their titles it was the elders of the church who ultimately had to do that mm-hmm. but again if you have a pastor who has a moral failure and he's compromised spiritually then that's 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 a cancer in the church and unless that man repents and is restored Okay, And he has to go through a restoration process. Those issues have to be dealt with. And by the way, rehab is not restoration. Rehab is rehabilitation from an addiction. Mm -hmm. Restoration is where you fall under a counselor and a pastor, another pastor who meets with you and talks with you and helps you to deal with your issues so that they get resolved and you get the victory over them Mm -hmm. so that you can be restored back into ministry. And that has to happen. I mean... One that we can talk about, and I think that article you sent—I'll say it was Mars Hill. Yeah, and uh, Mark Driscoll and Mark Driscoll—they had to deal with him, and and that that church imploded is is no more. Doesn't exist. I mean, a mega church, a massive mega church, fifteen thousand, no longer exists. Yeah. So that that shows you how how detrimental it can be. Mm-hmm. But Mark Driscoll went under Gateway and Dr. Uh, Robert Morris. And I think went through a restoration program. I'm thinking, I'm not sure. Anyway, he got under covering with them and I think he's trying to get back again. I don't know. I don't know the details. Do you know the details?
0: I don't, I mean, just, I don't know. It's a popular podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Listen to it for yourself.
1: (laughs) Okay. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not here to... Well, I don't know. But anyway, my point is, I have worked with men who have failed. Yes. And this, probably this is a whole nother episode. And I actually... I worked with a man in restoration and he was under a counselor, but he was under me as a pastor. And he and I would have conversations and I would have to have point blank asking point blank questions and ask things to deal with and, and and
0: this is part of my point too. I know we've talked about very large newsworthy things, but just as much as there's mega church pastors who have fell, there are pastors of a hundred and you know, oh, rural, yeah. wherever all the time that need elders oh, yeah. to protect the flock,
1: exactly. And so go that's following. why, again, when you have elders in the church, it, it, and it it's okay. So let's go to a positive side. Yeah, of that. <laughs> I love the fact that I have elders that keep me accountable. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they do now, they, they don't walk around every other week saying, Pastor, you do anything wrong. Pastor, are you doing right? You know, they don't they don't do that. Mm-hmm. There's there's no reason to. There aren't any signs or flags for them to do that. But if there ever was a sign or a flag, I love the fact that there would be a guy, one of those guys, if not several, would come up to me and say, Pastor, look, we gotta talk.
0: And I like that there are people not on payroll. That it would be kind of weird for people who does that make sense? Yeah, a do.
1: conflict of interest. Well, You're going, oh my impossible. gosh, am I going to
0: lose my job if I do this? Where yeah. Or you've got these people who they're just there for the flock.
1: Yeah, and they and they love me and they care for that's me. That's right. But the, but the, so th- that's not a that's not a bad thing for me or you or any of our other pastors because mm-hmm. it's for all of us. That's a good thing that there are that there are elders of our church who are just there. Again, they're overseeing the whole church and that yeah. includes all of us. And each other. Yeah. You know, if an elder gets out of hand. That's right. Um, and, you know, the Bible says you're not supposed to uh, take a, any kind of accusation against an elder against it, unless there are two or three witnesses. And years ago, I had a guy who was serving an elder, then he's not now, um, who had an accusation made against him. And I'm going to keep this thing really broad. And it was a very serious accusation, and it was by one person. Hmm. And I, I called him in and told him about that. Well, he Totally denied it. I said, okay. I said, I believe you. I said, there's no reason for me not to believe you, even though this other person is as adamant that you did do something wrong. And so I talked to the other person and I actually brought them in a room together to try to reconcile this. And there was no reconciliation because both of them were sternly, one said, you did it. The other said, no, I did not. So, I mean, it was an impact. It was a King Solomon impasse. And yeah. I, I didn't have any babies to cut in half, you know. So <laughs> so what I ended up doing, I looked, I looked at the person who accused this particular, and I said, look, only God in heaven knows. I'm listening to both of you, and I love both of you. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But this is what I do know. The Bible says I cannot entertain an accusation against this elder unless there are two or three witnesses and all I have is your word. I said, so I can't. I said, whether it happened or not, whichever one of you are telling the truth or not, it's irrelevant. I will side with this elder simply because that's what the Bible tells me. Mm-hmm. To do. And uh, it, it was a very awkward situation. Didn't lose that family and, and God worked it out. That's good. And that elder, uh, not sh- shortly after that, decided to step down. And felt like that they they wanted to get out from that position. Yeah. So I think the good Lord just kind of worked everything out. Both mm-hmm. those families stayed in my church. That family eventually left years years later, for another reason. But uh, the guy who who was at a time it still goes here today. So, wow. but you got to go by what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with a pastor who are elders. You know, if somebody accuses them, that's that doesn't work. Yeah, you, know, you got to have two or three witnesses. So these these structures are set in place in the Bible that really create a check and a balance it is healthy it is healthy for a church
0: yeah that's good well let's talk about the qualifications so we actually have two separate passages of uh qualifications They're both from the Apostle Paul. One, he's writing to Titus, who's a pastor, and he's writing to Timothy, who's a pastor. So I'll start out reading Titus chapter one, verses five through nine. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, with faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. As an overseer of God's household, He must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful messages taught so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it.
1: That's quite the list right there. Yeah, it is. And if you think of a pastor, that's probably the the image that's going to come to your mind is somebody who pastors a church. And that's why I think ideally this role of a bishop or an elder or a shepherd is the role of the local church pastor. That's right. And and I mean, I don't know that we really have the time to, to go through all this, but I think most people would read those and say, you know, yeah. If I am a pastor, and I think what what we do see from this is that the standard is set high. Mm-hmm. There, there are there are high expectations for someone that God calls into this role. And by the way, this is a role that has a calling. Yes. I think this is a calling. And and the men who serve in the in the role of an elder within the context of my local church feel the sense of a calling to do this. For those of us who are full time in ministry. We have the sense of a calling. Um, if if High Praises for whatever reason I had to leave today, I would be stuck because I can't just I mean I can go get a job, but the problem is I still have this calling on my life, and so I'm called to be a shepherd. I'm called to be a pastor. It's not a career; it's a calling. It's two different things. You can change careers, but unless God lifts the calling, you can't change the calling. So, so these are these are men who are called to do this and then equipped by God. And and there are certain qualifications that are critical because if not, it can it can hurt the ministry of the elder. It can hurt the reputation of the elder. That's good. And I think it's important that, that, uh, that these things, that we look at these things and make sure, that's why when you go back when somebody who has a moral failing, that's why it's so important for, again, them to go through restoration so that these things that Paul just said can be reestablished. Mm-hmm. Made true and, cl- and and clarified and yeah. certified. Yeah, and certified again that whatever was lacking, boom, it's taken and, care of. And I
0: think as I, as we kind of take like a, a very broad overview, we're looking for someone who is not selfish or out of control, but someone who is other-centered and is in control. That's why uh, they can't be arrogant. To be arrogant is ultimately selfish. They can't be hot-tempered. That's ultimately to be out of control. They can't be an excessive drinker. It's to be out of control. They can't be a bully. That's both selfish and out of control. They can't be greedy for money. It's out of control. It's self-centered. But they've got to be hospitable to other people. They've got to love what's good, what's sensible, right? Not excessive what's righteous and holy, and then he says they've got to be self-controlled. So you're not giving yourself over to your passions, giving yourself over to your emotions or to what is self-centered, but the idea is that you're sensible, you're self-controlled, you're centered in God and what is righteous, and that is the way that you're, you're doing your ministry.
1: Yeah, I think in a nutshell, you just said they need to be Christ-like. Yeah,
0: ultimately, they need to be Christ-like. And then I like how he emphasizes a uh, Especially for those who are um, who are pastors, who are in that teaching word centered role, they need to hold to the faithful message as taught, so he can encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. But even for the elders that we discuss, like you discuss with a Todd Bentley scenario, this must be true of every elder and every function and role. They need to know what's true and what's not. Um, then First Timothy chapter three verses two through seven. Um, Paul's writing to Timothy says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. So basically he's saying the same thing to Timothy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? So there we go. Just like he spoke with the deacons in the last episode, if the church is God's household, you need to be able to manage your household well so that, you, so that we concede that you can manage God's household well. Then I think this is really interesting because this is what's kind of new that, that Paul doesn't mention with the deacons or elders of Titus. He says this, he must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. I think that's really interesting that when we're selecting elders, we're not selecting men new to the faith. We're selecting men who have served Christ for a while, who've studied the scriptures for a while, who have served Jesus for a while. Because if you take a new convert and say, hey, um, you're fit to be in this leadership position, they can kind of get a big head well, I must be so talented or so wise or I figured out the scriptures so well already, you get a big head. And he says, just like Satan, you get arrogant. It's pride. It's pride. Satan's fall was pride. Fall. Yeah, And so you need to be careful with that. And then he says he must have a good reputation among outsiders so he doesn't fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. If you don't have a good reputation with the world, if uh, you're a different person at church than you are at your job or your family or your friends or whatever else, um, you're going to fall into disgrace. You need to be consistent. And all of those things uh, Paul mentioned beforehand needs to be true of you both in and outside of the church building.
1: Yeah. And a good reputation is really important. And whether you pay your bills, whether you have outstanding debts, and mm-hmm. people say he never, you know, he never, I never can, I'm always chasing him down or, um, you know how how you know whether or not you've been faithful in marriage or whatever. Um, you, you you want people to think when you when you say your name in a in a community, you want people to think very good, positive. And you want it to thoughts. be when you say so and so is in isn't
0: an eldership leadership position in the church. You want them to say that makes sense,
1: right? That you makes don't sense. want them to go,
0: oh, okay, you, yeah. You want them to say, I could
1: see that yeah that that that's exactly right
0: well, any last words from you on elders their importance what you look for in an elder anything like that uh
1: no i i i just i think that this is a really uh powerful role uh in ministry and um uh what we do at our church is um we try to promote the elders we have growth track, which is the orientation for our new people. And I talk about our elders. I talk about how we have elders and deacons and pastors. And I encourage them to respect the elders, support the elders, accept their ministry. I say, if you come from a smaller church where the pastor did everything, you're going to have to adjust here because there's no way. I mean, we got a little over 900 people on our roll. And I said, there's no way one guy or even five full-time pastors can oversee a 1,000 people you know, because by the time you count everybody's brother and sister, and aunt and uncle, you know, you're talking probably mm-hmm. 1,500. I said, it takes, it takes more. And I said, the elders are extensions of our ministry, if you will. And so love them, respect them. If they come pray for you in the altars, you know, let them pray for you. Let God do a work, um, in your life. And so we try to, we try to do that. And, um, uh, and when they do, and I think what happens is it just, it's never, it never, takes away from what we do as pastors all it does is just reinforce and support our ministry and helps our church to grow even more and more it's really good
0: well look thank you so much for joining us today Uh, if you liked it give us a like rating subscribe all that good stuff send it to somebody who uh, needs it would enjoy this episode and we will see you back in a couple of weeks